close encounters of the third kind. Actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. I gotta do is look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses, episode number 25. Welcome to it. I am your host, John J. Murray, and with me are the Lances, Lauren and Endless Woo! Mike. Hey. It's we are here. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it when you do that. Uh, sorry we haven't done an episode in a while, but uh, uh, Lauren here has switched jobs, so she's going to have some more time. Yeah, she's available now to her husband. She's going to have some more time to record, and uh, and she's going to kick me in the in, in the ass and get me moving to make me do more episodes. So Yeah. More time works for research. Mm-hmm. I got something spooky happening in my colon right now. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's necessary. This is not something planet. For the listeners, but... Why do you always feel the need to tell me that? Because you always feel the need to forget. Oh. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, sadly, sad news, Art Bell, the uh, the creator of the Paranormal Podcast, has died. Yep. Oh, I, man. He had a well, nice, I mean, sw- soothing voice. He, had, he did have a good... He was a good broadcaster. Uh, he was also uh, a great interviewer. Yes. Uh, and he was... Uh, he gave a shit ton to charity, too. He really did. And like, but like back on his voice though, I feel like there was no better voice for radio, like for reals. Yeah, he had a he was like, uh, like he didn't sound like Casey Kasem, but he always just had that unique voice. Yeah, that yeah. Was recognized the the, the gold yeah. the golden age of radio voice. Yeah. yeah. It was real. What I do not have. No. Sorry, none listeners. None of us. Yeah, none <laughs> of us. I'm the closest one, and I. I Are sound you? like garbage. Yeah, yeah thanks, I was going to say. Yeah, you're really shrill. I'm very shrill. like a screaming bird. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of a screaming bird. So uh, may, may Art Bell rest in peace. Uh, without him, uh, we would not be doing this right now. Yeah. I think he kind of cap- he, he captivated the imaginations of, uh, of many people listening to his nationally syndicated AM radio show. I wonder how many stations that show was on. That show was on like... It was on like a lot. All of them. It was in like every market, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much every market. Also, I feel like it's unfair to not mention how good of a fucking person he was. Like, I I remember so many episodes where people would call him. He was a veteran, right? Yeah, he he was was a veteran. Um, He really gave a shit about that kind of stuff. And like, whenever he had his call-in episodes, he, he, like... You know how it is with paranormal stuff. Like some of it is intriguing, some of it's spooky, some of it's downright, some of it's a crazy person. Yeah, some of it's downright fucking crazy. But I feel like even when he dealt with that sort of shit, he treated people with, you know, with decency, which is hard to do. Yeah, I mean, even if there was someone uh, uh, that was obviously a crackpot, or at least perceived to be that way, he would interview them the same way he was interviewing like an astrophysicist. Yeah. Yeah. So I really respected that about him. Yeah, so if if, uh, I I think you can get a subscription to Coast to Coast and go back and listen to like a bunch of old Art Bell Um, episodes, like some really good ones. So if you've never listened, I mean, that shit is really good. I think on like iHeartRadio or any of the. Um, um, There's a bunch 
on Spotify also. Spotify, um, any of the podcast, um, like, apps or websites that contain a bunch of fucking podcasts and shit. I'm sure iTunes has it all. Yeah, you can, you can go all the way like back some through of the old Coast ones, to yeah. Coast. Yeah, and they're worth a listen if you've never listened, listened to them before. Um, like John said, I don't think yeah, I don't think like, we'd be doing what we'd be he's what like we're the doing without him. He's like the grandfather of the podcast, uh, the paranormal radio show, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not I mean everything's podcast now, but he was a radio show when it was like hard to get into radio. And, yeah. yeah, and doing probably the hardest subject to do in radio. Yeah, he ran like a pirate radio station when he was in I think Vietnam. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. So, so rest in peace, Art Bell. Yeah, dude. Uh, we had kind of a close call this past weekend. Uh, weekend asteroid flyby confirms we're worrying about the wrong space rocks. Mm-hmm. What sort of space rocks should we be worrying the ones about? The Barbara ones, Bush, the ones that are. <laughs> yeah, Barbara Bush is dead too. Yeah, yeah. no but one she's cares. She's gonna regenerate. An asteroid back. approximately the size of a football field flew close by Earth only one day after it was first spotted this weekend. Whoa, that's that is this close. near miss. We didn't a, notice this shit. They didn't coming? notice it until it was one day out. Uh, so Ugh. this near miss is a perfect example of an argument I've been making for some time. This is uh, this is from Gizmodo. Okay. Okay. These are the asteroids we should worry about, not the so-called potentially hazardous rocks being tracked by NASA and periodically hyped by panicked headlines. So, you, you know, we always hear about the ones that are being tracked by NASA, oh, the yeah. ones that would like end humanity. It's the yeah, ones yeah. we miss. Asteroid the size of Texas is going to miss us by. 14 million miles. And only Bruce Willis can save us. Yeah, like, but that the, shit. These ones are, are the ones that are, that are smaller. They're, they're not being tracked by NASA, mostly because they can't be tracked by NASA because their uh, services are so non-reflective that they can't see them very far out. Really? I didn't so know that. This one wouldn't end the world, but it would be like dro- dropping a nuclear bomb it's, on a city. It's bad enough. Yeah, that's bad <laughs> enough to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, it it could, I mean, we know about the uh, Tang Tangus. What is it? Tanguski event. Tanguska. Tanguska event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was in the early 1900s, where uh, some sort uh, some sort of projectile from outer space burned up in the atmosphere above um, Siberia. Siberia. Yeah. yeah, and that was like a hundred times bigger than any warhead that we have, like the explosion. That's something that. I don't think we've talked about that on this podcast yet. I'm sure yet. we've briefly mentioned we've, it. I think we've briefly mentioned it a bunch of times, but we should put the effort in and do an actual well, there's, episode there's definitely on that. A, there's, the a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, theories. conspiracy theories Yeah, I've read a that. lot of theories yeah. on that one. So, uh, aliens to prototype nuclear weapons. Oh, just, a, just everything. So so this, th- this, uh, this rock that is called... What is it called? I just saw it. It's uh, called 2018 GE3. Yeah, so it passed so close to Earth, it, it 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 came between the moon and the Earth. Holy shit! That's how close it was. Fuck. Wow. Okay. So like, it went through like some space that we can like get through. You know, like. Ugh. All right. That's well, little, we made it, guys. That's discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I think there there needs to be more money going into Just, if we're gonna have like a continued civilization like forever, say. If we if we want if we want to get to like Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, we're gonna One need 
better tracking of these uh, asteroids and comets and stuff like in that. Order I don't want to live in a liberal cuckold utopia. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guy tell me that once. I know, I know. Um, but no, that's the thing is that's where we need to be. I think mentally and socially is we want, I feel like the desire should be to get to that Star Trek universe. That that is where we should want. I to think that's be a, that's a good goal for humanity's sake. Yeah, that's you mean the, world peace? Uh, un, world, yeah. world peace, unlimited energy, and everybody discovering gets new fed. planets. Everyone gets fed. Everyone's got like it's it's awesome. But in order to do that, you have to want to do that. And we first. have to last that. Yeah, long. we have to not blow ourselves up. We have to not get hit by an asteroid. However, there uh, is the some the super hope. volcano needs to not go off. So they need to Yet. need to think or solar flares. Yeah, we need to prevent uh, solar flare damage. How I, I do have hope, Global though, warming. Because it is canon in the Star Trek universe that just before the original series happens, like, like not oh, yeah, ju- there was an apocalyptic Not just event. before, but, like, you know. Maybe oh, yeah, shit wasn't that great. There is a real shitty moment before. Yeah, during the first contact era, yeah. Yeah. It was like humanity was in shambles. There was an apocalyptic event. So, I have hope. We could we could dig ourselves out, yeah, we're even like a if virus. we get, yeah yeah. We, we just we just got to invent. We a, got super off topic though. Sorry guys. <laughs> yeah. We we just need to invent a spaceship, and then the the Vulcans will help us. Uh, yeah. No, we need a hyperdrive. Yeah, maybe. that's what I meant. Or a warp drive. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on to some uh, UFO news. This is some pretty good stuff. In our feature segment, actually, we're going to be talking about a uh, a uh, alien alien encounter involving uh, involving a shootout. Yeah, so this is and like a bunch of hillbillies. Bunch of hill a hillbilly shootout. So that's that's so gonna be fun. That's something to stick around for. Um, declassified military video shows fast moving UFO tracked by Navy fighter pilots. Oh, this is great. The audio on this. I don't know if you guys are gonna be able to hear it. Oh, I can. Yeah, I can pull it up. Yeah, they'll oh, hear the audio. Do. The audio. I feel like is like. This is the how audio I would it. feel. It does sell it. It's how I would feel if I was in these guys' It does position. sound very realistic. Yeah. Like it doesn't sound staged at all. A new, a newly declassified video obtained by a research company shows a fast-moving UFO off the East Coast as it was tracked by two U.S. Navy pilots in 2015. So this is pretty recent. It's unclear what the object is, and the pilots are heard laughing and shouting as they attempt to track it. The footage was, was released last week by the STARS... Uh, by the uh, To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science, a private research and media firm, which also provided analysis of the clip. Is, now, that's Tom DeLong's. This is Tom DeLong's research group, uh, nonprofit, and uh, I I want to take back all all the times that I made fun of him. We all want to take back making. I think fun he's of him. doing. I think he's doing a great job. He's doing with the his good research work. Institute. No, like it's coming to fruition. I I feel bad for making fun of him. Uh, but really, I mean, I don't feel it, that bad. But I feel wrong. bad because, like, this—I'm sure he got a lot of flack for this shit. But like, it looks like he actually put the money and effort into doing something real and yeah. and not being a fucking charlatan about it. So, I uh, I approve. It's awesome. So this footage was captured by a U.S. Navy uh, FA-18 Super Hornet using the Raytheon. Uh, at flyer pod that was being operated by a highly trained aerial observer and weapon system operator whom the government has spent millions of dollars to train. Now, that's yeah. true. These guys, uh, the gov- uh, the military does spend quite a bit of money making these guys good at what they do. So so this is basically, uh, you guys can check this out in the show notes. This is basically a video uh, show 
uh, showing this uh, F-18 getting like a like a target lock on an unidentified flying object. Which is exciting because this isn't some guy with a $20 telescope seeing some shit. Yeah. This is a guy who knows that there's something up, has the education to back up the fact that something is up, mm-hmm. and he's losing his shit because he's locked a target on a UFO. Okay, here it is. Right now we're just kind of seeing a, uh, it's just, it's just basically like this white dot that's above the ocean. Chasing this thing. Yeah, so you can see in the in the thermal vision too. Um, the object is white at first, which means that it is cold. White in this uh, in in these thermal in this thermal I- imaging stuff is the uh, coldest of the spectrum, mm-hmm. and black is the darkest. So to see it go, sorry, <laughs> to, to see it go from white to black. Yeah, it's, with it's, no in between. Yeah, really. there's no in between. It it's goes from white to black, and, and then it goes right back to white again. So it's like it had like a burst of heat, but there's no exhaust coming out anywhere. Yeah, and that's not natural. <laughs> and and, it, and it's just like one of these orbs that you see in these videos all the time. But I think this is the first time that we're seeing footage of a craft, super advanced uh, computer. Well, su- uh, super advanced, yeah. It's computer, basically a fighter jet locking onto this thing. So yeah. that's like showing that it's like this is not just like a like a mistake. It's not just some uh, some guy's cell yeah, phone. John and I were actually talking about this before the episode, and John said, you know, this is this couldn't possibly be ball lightning because they wouldn't be able to lock onto ball lightning. And then I was like, well, not only is that the reason why it's not ball lightning, but ball lightning wouldn't go from cold to hot. It would just yeah, be hot think, the whole time. Yeah, I don't think ball lightning's cold. Yeah, no, it couldn't be cold. It's electricity. So that I think the whole ordeal is interesting. And I'm excited because this kind of confirms my theory that as... It's, it's not my theory. I think a lot of people feel this way. That as technology progresses with us, it'll be easier and easier and easier for us to actually document this shit. Yeah. Well, you know... If if they're gonna make uh, the government start to admit to some of this shit, then it could actually be studied. How did yeah. they get this? Before it was just weather balloon. Is it just me? Like, is it, does it make me a flaky voter that if someone promised, like not just hinted, but promised? Like declassifying all UFO documentation, I'd probably vote that no, way. No, because you're supposed to vote on the issues, not the person. Well, that matters. That's to an me. issue. That's an issue that really matters. That is an to me. issue. I don't know. I, I think it would it would it would end up. I don't think any politician would ever run on that for Probably the simple not. reason that even if that was their intention, it's not going to live up to certain people's expectations. Yeah. Do you think? And people are going to still say, "Oh, it's like, oh, well, they admitted this, and then what else are they lying yeah, about?" Yeah. Do you think that there's a politician? What are they back? Do you think there's a politician alive that that is <laughs> one of their goals? Yeah. There's got to be, right? There's, There's got to be at least one. No, I, I've heard There's it that before. woman running for the uh, the Florida State Senate that uh, was abducted by Jesus-like aliens. Didn't oh, Jill, yeah, we talked about Jill that. did Jill Stein say something about that during the, the race? 
No, actually, Hillary did. Was it Hillary? No, she hinted. She like she got cute about it. Like she didn't actually. Like, yeah. Say. Well, before we move on, let me just uh, go over the basic information for Tom DeLonge's thing. Uh, the To the Stars Academy of Arts and Science was founded by Tom DeLonge, the rock star formerly of Blink One Eight Two. And currently in the band Angels and Airwaves. Other co-founders include Jim uh, Semivan, formerly a senior intelligence member of the CIA, and Hal Puthoff, who has advised NASA and the Defense Department. So he's hired a lot of legit guys. Yeah, no, Thomas put his money and time in. Like, yeah. this isn't some bullshit. No, he's a true believer. I will give him that. Like, it's not like he hired some weird, like, astral plane specialist gurus or some bullshit like that. He might have a few of those, too. I'm sure he's got a few, but you've got to, you can have a few. There's nothing wrong with having a few, but you got to back it up with something. With some science. With some substance as well, yeah. Yeah, he's a real Zach Baggins, that Tom DeLong. He might be, he might be more than a Zach Baggins. Well, he's got more money than He's Zach got Baggins. more money, he's, you know, so. He's got that blink money. I'm excited to see where he goes with this All shit. All right, moving on. Does he uh, have a website dedicated to this shit? Uh, just Google for uh, Into the uh, into the, the Stars. Okay. Yeah, or To, to the, the stars. stars. Yeah, not Into the Stars. Uh, pilots say they spotted UFOs while flying over Arizona. This is a good case that uh, actually corroborates between two different pilots and two different aircraft. Oh, nice. Okay. So, two commercial pilots flying over the Arizona desert claim they saw an unidentified flying object pass overhead, according to a radio broadcast released by the Federal Aviation Administration. A Learjet pilot and an American Airlines pilot saw the object on February 24 and radioed the regional air traffic controller in Albuquerque. So they were from two different companies, too. Yeah. Uh, so here's, here's like, uh, the, the transcript. transcript. Was anybody uh, above us that passed us, like, 30 seconds ago? The Learjet, Learjet pilot said in the brief exchange. Negative, the air traffic controller replied. Okay, the pilot said. Something did. <laughs> huh? It's like, okay, yeah, I, it's not on radar, but something definitely flew over my yeah, fucking yeah. head. <laughs> a UFO. A UFO, someone quickly responded. Yeah, the pilot replied again with a chuckle. Huh. Uh, minutes later, the FAA controller alerted an American Airlines plane that was flying in the area, according to the recorded, recording released by the FAA. Uh, Amer American 1095, uh, let me know if uh, you anything pass over you here in the next uh, 15 miles, the air, air traffic controller said. that, And uh, I read that sentence exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. Like the guy didn't really know what to say. Yeah, you can tell this <laughs> yeah, guy was feeling shocked. really awkward. And so the pilot says, let you know if anything passes over? <laughs> yeah. Uh, American 1095 affirmative, the controller said. We had an aircraft in front of you that reported something past him and uh, we didn't have any targets, so just uh, let me know if you see anything pass over you. <laughs> All right, the pirate, pilot Real said. cagey, yeah. this yeah. controller is. Uh, shortly, the pilot radio traffic control also reporting the mysterious object. It's American 1095. Yeah, something just passed over us. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but at least two, 3,000 feet above us. Yeah, it passed right over the top of us. <laughs> the American Airlines jet, an Airbus A321, uh, was flying from San Diego to Dallas, according to Flight Radar 24. American Airlines referred all questions to the FAA. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, we better just let the government handle that. Yeah. Uh, it's unclear whether the object spotted by the pilots was a UFO, 
an FAA spokesperson suggested the object wasn't necessarily something out of this world. Hold on a second. Let, wait, before we continue with this, actually, if you use the definition of UFO, yeah, it is. It's a UFO. It is it's clear. It's an unidentified flying, flying object. object. So, fuck you. Yeah, but in the in the normal social context, no, it's considered I, but, a UFO. But Everyone you, calls it a UFO. Well, the new smart term for it is uh, unidentified aerial phenomena. Well, then they should have said that. Yeah, I think it's UAP. ridiculous to say that it was it, that it wasn't clear if it was UFO. It's like, well, what did you think it was? Well, they said they have a close working relationship with uh, other agencies and safely handle military aircraft and civilian aircraft of all types that. In, in that area every day, including high-altitude weather balloons. So they said nothing. Oh, weather balloons. W don't... Okay, if you're trying the to... The excuse from, like, the 50s. Yeah, if you're if you're given press releases, Fuck right? Fuck you. And, and you're trying to dissuade the press from printing stuff about UFOs. Do not say don't weather, say weather balloons. balloons. Or swamp gas. Or swamp gas. <laughs> but I feel like I mean, that weather shit balloons is, hack is at this worse. Point. Yeah, it's, it's so super hack. hack. <laughs> Uh, a pilot said that he did not believe the object could be a weather balloon. When the air controller asked more about the object, the American Airlines pilot said he wasn't sure whether it was a balloon or whatnot. He only described it as having a big reflection and traveling several thousand feet above us, going the opposite direction. So it was moving in the opposite direction. All reflection is what they see on the radar. Mm. Okay. Right. Well, they didn't see anything on the radar, though. This is just what the pilot said, that it had oh. a big reflection. Like, it was shiny. Huh. So, yeah, it, says, it goes on to say that the strange encounter happened not far from Roswell. I mean, that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, every, uh, uh, to interplanetary travelers or intersolar system travels, like, like everything on Earth is next to Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. yeah. It, that's, that's what's funny to me. Like, people make Roswell to be a big fucking deal. But if you're one lonely planet in the universe... They're not going to pick the same fucking place on the yeah, Earth Yeah, it doesn't have anything time. to do with it, no. It's too small of a spot by comparison. It's only 3,000 miles from Roswell. Yeah. Yeah. It's Florida. It's, everything's close to Roswell on Earth. Exactly. All right, Relative. moving on to some cryptozoology stuff. Ooh, Jared sent us this one. Jared couldn't be here tonight. He yeah, had to, he had to work tonight. He, he had, had to, to peel off his second skin. Yeah, because yeah, he's, he's a, a lizard. He's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Love you, Jared. Photo appears to show mysterious beast on the prowl. Ooh. That looks like your dog, Mouse. Fucked up looking, actually. Yeah, a mysterious half-human, half-animal creature has been caught on camera after it was said to have savaged two dogs. The beast is reported to have been spotted prowling through the streets of Santa Fe, Argentina. Oh, God. It's a chupacabra, it looks the like. The photo it was taken does. after it was said to have butchered a German shepherd in a pit bull. God damn. All right. Some locals liken the creature to a camel because of its long neck and small head. Well, it looks like a like a the corpse of a dog. Like it's Yeah, so but its limbs are longer. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, one person commented on the YouTube channel when they put it, "I saw one of these things in 2005. It was crossing a bridge and we came upon it." Did it ask you a riddle? <laughs> yeah, that's what it looks like <laughs> something. <laughs> That, I mean, that man. thing's hideous. That Supposedly, thing... it had like a human-like face, kind of. Ugh, it, I mean, that I might like be it. 
the best picture of a chubra-cabra. Uh, the comment goes on to say, It blew my mind because it looked at us and turned and began moving just like a kangaroo would and cleared the concrete bridge wall easily and dropped at least 15 to 20 feet. Wait, so it was on I'm, its hind legs? I'm having an issue making sense of that sentence right now. Uh, another comment added, Here in the Philippines, it's called an aswang. 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 Yeah, that's the Filipino A man vampire. who transforms into a monster dog. Oh, like a werewolf. Yeah, it's kind of like a mm, shape-shifting thing. No, nah, it's, it's, it's actually closer to a vampire if you actually read about Aswang. Okay. I think it, that, I, I don't know, that thing to me just looks like, I don't know, it looks like, it looks like a mutant kangaroo-dog like hybrid or yeah, something. Yeah, it looks I don't fucking know. weird. I think it looks like it has really powerful back legs, but it's like front legs are spindly. They're kind of like thinner. arms and yeah, hands. Yeah, so they're kind of almost like arms, yeah. Well, you said Ugh. it moved like a kangaroo, so I'm assuming it moved on its back legs. Yeah. Yeah, it only uses the front legs to, to like balance. guide it. It could be some kind of werewolf. Yeah, it's pretty weird. You can check that out in the show notes. Yeah, um, that's gross looking. I don't like that thing. I don't like it. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, if you see one of those, shoot it. Yeah. It's probably just Barbara right, Bush. You know what? Don't even off. stick around to shoot it. Just get the fuck out of there. You gotta shoot it so it doesn't kill all the kids in the village. Nah, fuck the kids. Just get out of there. Uh, so th- I, I I found uh, this on mental floss. This is pretty interesting. This is the Canadian village where Sasquatches are said to roam. All right. Sasquatch. It was a beautiful, calm evening in the early summer of 2001 when Doug Neilos and four companions pulled up their boat to a sandy beach in Kitsua Bay, an ancient site where members of the Kitsu. I can't pronounce that. First Nation have been harvesting herring and halibut for thousands of years. The bay lay on the ocean side of Swindle Island opposite Klemtu, a village of British Columbia's pine-forested inside passage. They got a big driftwood fire going, a warm light against the blackness of the forest and sky where the Milky Way glittered like a dusting of powdered sugar. Oh, that's... Pretty. It's very, it's a very beautiful. Um, As they told stories and laughed around the fire, Neil Loss noticed something, half of a face, partly hidden behind a large tree up the beach, illuminated by the flickering light. He stared at it, trying to understand what he was looking at. His younger brother stopped talking to him and followed Neil Loss's gaze. The others turned and looked too toward the figure that now appeared to be crouching at the tree line, locking eyes with them. At that moment, the Sasquatch stood up. It was huge, at least seven feet tall. The footprints were about 15 inches long, Neolos remembers. The creature slowly backed into the forest, out of the firelight, and disappeared. All right. All right. Neolos, who was Canada's first licensed indigenous bear guide and is now the uh, Kiatso's elected chief counselor and resource stewardship director, has had other encounters with Sasquatches. The first one, though, stands out. I've had humpback whales come right up under my kayak, he tells Mental Floss, but this was the scariest moment of my life. Hmm. That's, I mean, yeah, imagine a humpback whale under your kayak. Oh, yeah, that'll, yeah. that'll make you oh, shit yeah, your you pants. Oh, yeah, you just, like, look down in the clear water, and there's just a big fucking whale right underneath I saw you. that. I saw a picture of that on, Nash, or, on nationalgeographic.com recently. It, I think it was a... Uh, he was in a kayak. It was a guy in a kayak. I saw with that like picture too. A sperm too. whale underneath him, I think. Yeah. It was like, oh my god. I would have yeah. shit my pants. The kayaker didn't even know it was under there. They got the picture from like a helicopter, I think. Oh my god. I feel like that's just that's such a metaphor for life. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just being a kayaker, not knowing whatever the fuck's going on, a and giant then underneath monster you is, is right the underneath leviathan. You. 
So for more than half a century, Klemtu, population 350, has been known to outsider, outsiders as a reliable locale for seeing Sasquatches. Uh, to the Kietsu, uh, the hairy, human-like creatures have always been there, living in the dense forests and remote areas across the nation's traditional territory. They're part of the community and part of the stories that the yeah, elders tell to impart the traditions and history to pass on knowledge to younger generations and share with the larger community. Some stories are meant to teach lessons about respecting elders, uh, ancestors, and the environment, but some recount actual events that have become ingrained in the culture over decades or centuries. Most of the Sasquatch encounters fall into that category. In Smalglax, is that how you would say that, Mike? <laughs> Smalglax. I have no yeah. clue. The Kietsu language, the creatures are called Pukwis or Bogwis, words that also describe their ape-like appearance. Elders warn against going to certain places called Weebie-Tubie-Kwiwis, which, yeah, I don't think that was right, where there are Sasquatches, basically. Many people know the stories, even if they don't talk about them much. They were seen uh, more often when the people would travel and harvest food or material resources, say Vernon Brown, the Kiatsu Resource Stewardship Manager in Klemtu. Good God. There's a lot of hard words in this article. Brought to you by the whitest guys on earth. Yeah. John and Lauren. <laughs> uh, so, so the, this region is like right in the center of the Great Bear Rainforest, a 40,000 square mile expanse of intact temperate woods. So this is like a 40,000 square mile area. Huh. It's, uh, it's on a coast mountain range. Uh, there's ancient glaciers. A jumble of rocky islands and peninsulas, deep fjords and that harbor whales, uh, sea lions, sea otters, bull kelp flows in the current, and teams with marine life. So, so basically, this, this is place. it. Sounds, sounds very gorgeous. beautiful. This is like this is basically just like a beautiful, untouched wilderness, forty thousand square with miles. This little town in it, and that there's amazing. there's only three hundred and fifty people here. Oh wow! So this, like, if you're gonna see a Sasquatch, this is probably the place you want to go. This, it's not near anything. They don't need to expend all that energy on dimensional travel. They can just walk. (laughs) Yeah. So there's basically there's fish, there's clam beds, there's so crab. So uh, yeah, a bunch of people have gone up here and tried to to find stuff and uh, like on video and stuff, but they haven't gotten anything yet. But the stories are so abundant. Huh. And even, even tourists that aren't there to like shoot stuff report seeing the Sasquatch all the time. And I think it's just because of the environment. It's like we were talking about in a previous episode. Um, we were talking about like Florida being a good environment for the Sasquatch because there's like still like giant untouched swaths of wilderness. Oh yeah, yeah. like nobody wants to build shit yeah, in the swamps. No, about Florida, like most of Florida is uninhabited. Pretty much the like, center of it. Yeah, pretty much the entire central area. Like, unless rednecks are living there, there's nobody living there. So, so I mean, in that book that I read, Enoch, like, mm-hmm. the, the guy talked about observing uh, these creatures and, like, how much food they actually need. So, that's, I, I think that's why, like, this area would be, like, a hot spot. I would imagine because, I mean, I don't know what he said in Enoch, but, I mean, you'd have to think, like, the average human is somewhere around 2,000 calories to maintain as an adult. So, a Sasquatch would probably need somewhere around 4,000 plus. What did he say? Do you remember? 
What? How much? How many calories? A oh Sasquatch yeah, it's got it's got to be even more than that. Yeah. I mean, he said that he, he uh, like in the book he said observing uh, the Sasquatch is that it would just constantly be eating. Yeah, they yeah. eat a ton. It well, would just you know go through and if it like saw something it would grab it and pop it, it in its mouth. It yeah. saw a turtle it would pop it open and pull its guts out and fucking eat it. Yeah, you know? we'll remember they they don't cook too, so they do need to constantly be eating. Yeah. Yeah, they just need to keep eating this stuff so uh this uh bear guide said i've smelled bears and they stink but around sasquatches i've smelled something horrible pungent it'll stop you in your tracks and then all of a sudden he snaps his fingers it's just gone Mm. so that's that's interesting if you like if you're attuned to the smells in the woods you know yeah you like smell a sasquatch because like it just stinks really bad you're like what the fuck is that and then all of a sudden it's just gone this is why when people try to differentiate skunk skunk apes which that's the florida sasquatch from sasquatch or bigfoot because i've heard a lot of people say that a skunk ape is different from i don't think so i think it's just the environment so this is a little bit smaller this is what i I don't think so i don't even think they're smaller maybe we don't see enough of them to determine that, but I think the smell just comes from whatever climate. If you're in the Pacific uh, Northwest, it's maybe not as wet as up here in this rainforest. Now, I'll always hold on to my until I'm proven wrong that that uh, Bigfoot is not an interdimensional being. Until I'm proven wrong, I contest that the smell is actually the smell of them um, traveling. Out. Yeah, it's that sulfur smell. Because when you hear stories about any sort of being that can, like, phase in and out of reality, there's a sulfur smell involved. Yeah, burnt carbon or something like that. And my theory is that's why they stink so much. Or they're covered in shit. <laughs> I'm willing to take either version of that story. Um he goes on to say, Sasquatches also scream in terrifying high-pitched tones. Neil Loss remembers going on a clam harvesting trip with a group of other young people and highly respected and knowledgeable elder. The low tide, the best time to gather clams, occurred in the middle of the night, so the elder pulled his boat up on the sand and the people fanned out across the beach. As they filled their buckets, those on the edge of the group heard a piercing scream in the distance, then an- another, but the elder, who was rather hard of hearing, seemed unfazed. Everyone in the community looked at him for guidance. When he seemed unconcerned, there was nothing to worry about. They kept gathering clams. Well, that's just because he was deaf. He didn't hear anything. Uh, But the screams grew louder, and eventually the entire group was huddled around the boat. The elder asked why they weren't harvesting, and they told him about the shrieking. I don't hear anything, he said. But then one whale very close punctured the stillness. Neilos recalls he picked up a five-pound lead cannonball, the boat's anchor, and started banging it on the side of the punt to scare it off. When he and the others saw their leader lose his cool, they immediately jumped in the boat and sped away. And left him there. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, these things... These things can definitely hide here. This is like seems yeah, like it's like the best place to go place to, for them to go. And remind me again, like where this is? Canada. Canada? Oh, it's closer than I thought. Uh, let's see. This is another good story. Uh, this is another location with a sheer rock faces and sparse trees, and it was a good spot to find animals. While his two friends stayed in the boat, uh, the man killed four goats enough to feed his family for a while. He piled the animals on a narrow beach and then packed his gear into his boat for the trip home. He turned around to retrieve the goats, but stopped dead in his tracks. Standing next to the animals was a child Sasquatch. 
Oh. Umaje in the Kiatsu language, just staring at the hunter with its black eyes. He jumped back in his boat really quick, and he said that whatever it was didn't run off. The thing was just looking, not running, just motionless. You could see it blinking every now and then, Brown says. It scared the shit out of him. Quickly, the hunter backed his boat off the sand. He and the two stunned passengers turned their gaze back to the beach, and the Umaje was gone. The man left all of his goats after spending money and time to hunt them on the beach where they lay. The man later told Brown that he's never gone back since. I, that, that just seems like a juvenile Sasquatch that was like just as scared like a, of yeah, them. Yeah, probably just curious. Like he probably wandered in the clearing and was like, oh shit, it's one of them. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those skin people. That's actually, uh, I think that's actually the premise of an upcoming uh, cartoon, like family film. It's like a, You're right. I thought I saw a commercial for I think it's called like like, like the Little Feet or something. Yes, and it's like it's about like oh, yeah, it's about that. like a tribe of Bigfoot that tells stories about the the weird and creepy Little Feet. Like yeah. a, like they're a boogeyman. <laughs> so it, it that seems pretty interesting. But this place this place seems amazing. It seems beautiful and I would just like to mysterious. Travel yeah, I would love to go. Yeah. Um one more thing before we take a break and get to our feature segment. Uh, this guy documented his creepy encounters with a strange, deformed ghost baby on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, Brad talked about this ghost last, baby. Uh, something planet. Yeah, yeah, I posted this. Oh, uh, yeah, Brad, this section's for you. Smooshhead Davy is the yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, we, we call him Smooshhead Davy. I think <laughs> they call him something else. Uh, so th- I'm just going to go through this guy's tweets. Yeah, yeah it's just a bunch of Twitter uh, tweets and some pictures. So my, so this is from Adam Ellis, and his, uh, his Twitter handle is at Moby underscore dickhead. <laughs> Cute. So my apartment is currently being haunted by the ghost of a dead child, and he's trying to kill me. He started appearing in dreams, but I think he's crossed over into the real world now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> the ghost looks wrong. The first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw a child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He had a huge misshapen head that was dented on one side. I did my best to draw it. And there is a picture. Uh, we did use it as the yeah. picture of the last You'll episode. You'll see it on the Something Planet website. Uh, for a while, he just stared at me, but then he got off of the chair and started shambling toward the bed. Right before... Uh, so a few nights later, Adam learns the dead baby's name. Right before he reached my bed, I woke up screaming. I had another dream a few nights later where I was in a library and a girl came up to me and said, you've seen Dear David, haven't you? Dear uh. David, that's what he was. Uh, Adam discovers Dear David plays by a particular set of rules. I was like, who? And she said, Dear David, you saw him. She continued, he's dead. He only appears at midnight and you can ask him two questions if you said Dear David first. She continued, uh, what? Then she added, but you never try to ask him a third question or he'll kill you. (laughs) Fucker. Dude's patience runs out really quick. He's a baby. Uh, He said, then David came back in another dream. Same situation. I was in bed and he was sitting in the rocking chair near the window staring at me. In the dream, I say, dear David, how did you die? He mumbles, an accident in the store. Dude doesn't give detailed answers, does yeah. he? Well, it is Twitter. I say, Dear David, what happened in the store? He groans, a shelf was pushed on my head. Smoosh head baby. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. Uh, I'm frozen with fear. I ask, who pushed the shelf? David doesn't answer. 
That's the third question. I realize that fuck. I've asked the third question, which I'm not supposed to do. At this point, I wake up absolutely terrified. Oh my god. So after moving into a new apartment, something weird starts happening. So he moved. Uh, he said, uh, "Lately, something strange is happening. For the past past four nights, my cats gather at the front door at exactly midnight and just stare at it, almost like something is on the other side." He's got a picture of his cats. It is a creepy picture of his cats. Adam takes a photo through his peephole. I couldn't tell, so I mustered the courage to open the door. Nothing was out there, but I took another photo. Let's look at this. Is it just me? Is there something in the first photo right where the banister meets the shelves hiding on the stairs? Ugh. I'm looking. I don't know. I don't see anything. It's kind of hard to see. I wonder if we could pull it up Enhance. 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 There we go. Let's see. I mean, there's like a kind of like a little shadow outline that could be a smoosh head, Davy. Yeah, it's you, you can't really tell anything from the picture. Yeah, it's a bit vague. It's th- that. I mean, it could just be the the people's dirty. I mean, yeah, you got uh, dirty He says people. I wasn't sure if it was a smudge or something, so I took a second photo from inside. There was something out there. I deadlocked the lock and then got into bed. So he's saying that this is like a separate. I don't see anything there. Do you see anything there? No. No, I don't see anything. I don't see shit. All right, so uh, I deadbolt the lock and got into bed because I don't know what else to do. I can still hear my cat meowing at the door. Mm. I am pretty scared. <laughs> so the cat. I mean, cat the, the cat door. looks scary. Its eyes are all Adam tries glowy. to protect himself from dear David. They're both here now. <laughs> so he puts a... Like, I don't, he put a salt barrier. He yeah. put a salt barrier. It's just the cats. Oh, yeah, it's him. just the cats. So he put a salt barrier at the door. Uh, he records himself in his sleep. He said, I used a sound app to record my apartment last night. It makes individual recordings each time it hears something. There were 33 recordings. Most of them are pretty vague. A couple of them are passing cars and the like, but there are three that I'm interested in. The first is a snapping sound and what seems like a single step. It's odd because I didn't get out of bed all night. So we can listen to this real quick. If it loads fast enough. I mean, yeah, it just sounds like house noises. Yeah. I mean, my house is probably haunted too, so that's so it, John's, it sounds like a normal noise. Yeah, John's like, oh, that's a regular noises. night at my house. Casa de Murray. I go out there sometimes and all the cabinet doors are open. That's true. Well, I've seen weird shit in your house, too. Yeah, we've seen, like, shadows and shit in your... Well, I'm sh- I've seen, like, your pots and pans swinging oh, before. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, and there's, like, no breeze. Yeah, and, the, and the, I the tested pans for and breeze and shit. on there just moving back and forth. Yeah, that was a fun night, actually. That was cool. So, uh, he bought a Polaroid camera, and because they're fun and dorky, I decided to take a few photos around my apartment. Uh... Then I went into the hallway and snapped a photo. The Polaroid developed completely black. Yeah. Uh, he did have a picture of the hallway lit up before, too, so. Yeah. So he got some sage. Sage did not work. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't dreamed about David in a few months, but he appeared again last night. In the dream, my bedroom was filled with hazy smoke, but I could see David sitting in the chair across the room. He was smaller this time, almost shrunken. He didn't say or do anything except look at me. So, yeah, he said that this is the first time I actually felt unsafe in my home. I fell asleep pretty early. I was incredibly tired for some reason. 
I had a dream that night where David was dragging me by the arm through an old abandoned warehouse. Ew. It was a creepy dream, but I didn't think much of it when I woke up. I took a shower and then noticed something. I'd woken with a huge bruise on my arm. Yeah, you can see it. He's got a pretty it's not hairy a huge arm. bruise. But it is a bruise. It is a bruise. The shape, the which it would make sense if it was a hand that did it. Especially a baby hand. Adam yeah. gets a phone call. Shortly after the usual cat stuff, around 10.30 or so, I started getting phone calls from an unmarked number. My entire call history for the past week looks like this. You'll notice that I answered once yesterday. Yeah, it's just all no-caller IDs. Uh, Usually if it's an automated thing, if you answer once, they quit calling, so I picked up. I didn't say anything, I just listened, waited for some automated message to chime in. I kept listening, I heard what I thought was breathing, but it was so faint I can't be sure. My heart was racing, so it was hard to hear. Then, just as I was about to hang up, I heard a very small voice whisper, Hello. Just hello, a flat statement, so quietly I could barely hear it. I panicked and hung up. I didn't know what else to do. I closed all the curtains in my apartment and turned on every single light. <laughs> oh, then he's got a now we got a video. A dead baby moves the chair. I've I've seen this whole thing, and this part's pretty freaky. I mean, this could be a huge hoax, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, it could be, but it's a fun ride. I'll I'll give it that. You know, guy put some effort in. Yeah. All right, the video isn't loading, but I have watched it before. The chair just basically jumps. Seemingly, like for no reason. Let's see. Let's watch the wall on the bookshelf. It's probably not going to load either. Yeah. All right. So yes, I know it's weird to uh, own a turtle shell, but my family lives in Montana. I picked it up last year at a native trading post. I don't know why that tweet was there. Uh, Since I've been back home, I've been too nervous to turn the camera back on, and today has been pretty quiet. That said, I feel uneasy. I put the chair in the hall. I hope nothing else happens tonight. Famous last words. Cats uh, recorded the cats in the living room. Cats acting up a little weird. Just staring at nothing, really. Yeah. Basically staring at the corner where the chair was. But to be fair, cats do just stare. (laughs) They do weird shit like that. So he said, uh, this is later, this afternoon I took a nap and had a dream I haven't been able to shake. In the dream, I was lying in bed. And rolled over to face the other direction. On the pillow next to me was a severed head with a bloody spine attached, sh- uh, snaking down the bed. It's like you got visited by Sub Zero. Yeah, that sounds like a present from Sub Zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he investigated an abandoned warehouse. I decided to go for a walk, if for no other reason than to get out of my apartment. I went to a bodega a few blocks away to get a snack. On the way, I had to pass the warehouse that was boarded up a few weeks ago. I hurried past it since it freaks me out now. At the bodega, I got some Doritos and a seltzer, then made my way back home. When I passed the warehouse a second time, I heard a dull thunk from the other side of the shutters. There was a grated window next to the doors, about one foot above my head, too high to see into. So I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to hold my phone up to the window, take one photo, and then run for my life. Uh, it seemed to be a different part of the warehouse, maybe an office. There was a bunch of old insulation and what looked like a filing cabinet and a ripped-up leather desk chair. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see, a look at David's face. Maybe I'm too deep into this and my brain wants to see David when he's not there. But here, I mess with the filters on my phone a bit. Tell me this doesn't look like him. This does kind of look like there's something there, like a smoosh head. I don't, yeah, I don't no, know. I see. It's right here. I'm going to point it. Yeah, there you are. 
See that? It's like kind of concave there. And then there's eyes. Oh, I see it. Okay. It looks very much kind of like a smushed ass (laughs) skull. Let's see. Someone followed Adam to Japan. This morning I went for a long walk around Sapporo. I've never really planned my vacations. I like to wander a lot and see what I find. I came across this statue in the park. I couldn't find out any real information about it online, but it was weird and pretty. Uh, I was taking pictures of it from different angles since it's uh, cylindrical. I moved around to one side and almost dropped my phone at what I saw. It felt too similar to be a coincidence. I felt dizzy and staring up at it. This kid with a dented head. This is a Smooshhead Davy oh, on yeah. the statue. It's definitely Smooshhead Davy. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe this is nothing. It doesn't feel like nothing. <laughs> so, dear David comes to the door. Yeah. I showered and brushed my teeth and then headed into the bedroom to get dressed. As I passed the front door, I thought I heard a faint scratching sound from the other side. It was so soft I wasn't sure it really happened. I went over to the door and I was too scared to look through the peephole. I couldn't bring myself to actually put my face that close to the sound, so I opted to take a photo through the peephole instead. This is another peephole shot. Mm Mm-hmm. At first, it didn't seem like anything, just blurry. But as I analyzed it, 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 I started noticing things. Part of a face, an ear, an eye staring right back at me. I think it's uh, down on the right there. I don't see it at all. I don't see it, to be honest. Oh, shit. I, uh, yeah, I, nope, I see it. Can you point it out to us? Yeah. See, see this little, like, half circle here? There's the ear. That's a mouth. Eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess it could be something. Yeah, it could also be nothing. But yeah, I, I didn't get it. A mysterious hearse appears. It was starting to seem like it was over. Then one morning last week, I was walking to work and passed the shuttered warehouse as usual. Uh, this time, all the metal doors were wide open, sunlight pouring in. The warehouse was still mostly empty except for one thing. There was a hearse parked in the back wall. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Adam spots someone on the roof. Man, this is a long ride. Yeah. It's Something happened last night. It was around 11 or so, and I was watching TV on the couch. I went to the dining room to get a drink from the fridge and noticed both cats sitting by the far window staring up at it. The window looks out onto the roof of the business next door. I glanced out the window but didn't see anything. I figured that maybe there was a mouse in the wall or something. I shrugged and grabbed a beer from the fridge. As I went to the kitchen to get the bottle opener, I noticed something. There's a window in the kitchen which looks out onto the same roof, and someone was standing on the roof staring at me. Mm. I immediately ducked down. I reached up and flicked off the light switch. I peered over the window but still couldn't see much. My phone was in my pocket, so I grabbed it out and took a photo. It was blurry and dark, but I swear someone was out there. Yeah, I don't see it. Yeah, you really can't see anything in that one. Here's another dream about David. So this is four months since the very first dream. Mm -hmm. This might be long, but it sticks with me. Last night I dreamed about him again. It was almost exactly the same as the first time I saw him. In the dream, I saw him in a chair again. I don't have the green chair in my room anymore. This time it was a recliner I've had for years. He was staring right at me, just like the first time. Again, I felt paralyzed and could barely move, but this time something was different. I still felt mostly immobile, but I could squirm just a little bit. I felt more alert. I could move my hands somewhat. David glared at me, and I dreaded what I knew was coming. He was going to get out of the chair and come toward me like before. I had to do something. I kept my phone next to me on the bed and somehow managed to get a hold of it. 
I thought, if David is going to kill me, maybe I can at least get evidence on my phone. I started snapping pictures in the dark. It's better to just show you. Turn up the brightness because they're pretty dark. Yeah, that's yeah. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Have you opened that and actually turned up the brightness on it? <coughs> no. Let's fucking do it. Uh, do all right, well, I'm going to uh, not look at the screen while you guys do this because I have no interest. Yeah, maximum. Oh, God, look at that thing. Yeah. Yeah, I know it's awful. So he could move. At, yeah, I don't know. That is that is terrifying. I don't want to turn up the brightness anymore. Yeah, yeah it's not. I, I would fodder. have to. I would have to put it into Photoshop. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's horrific. Or maybe we can look at it on our phone during the break. I think I can turn the brightness up on you my phone. You can look at it. I ain't looking at that shit. That shit is terrifying. Here's another one. Yeah. Yeah. Maximize it again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it looks like he's getting up. Oh, hold on. Open it back up again. Talking to the mic. Sorry, I was just looking at it from above because it's a little bit brighter. Here's another one. This is a... Oh, yeah, you can clearly see the smoosh head in it. Yeah, so... <laughs> this is stressing me out, Yeah, man. this is... It's, it's just... Keep going, keep going. Let's Let's keep going. It's... Do you want me to read some of it? Yeah, you can read some of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, noises come from upstairs. It Hold on, let me just show Lauren this picture real quick. I don't need to see your shit. I walked away. I'm not looking at it. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> no. Things fucked up. I hate right. you guys. Right. Uh, it's also sort of hard to explain the logistics of what I'm trying to find out, but I'll do my best. Basically, there's a part of my apartment I'm just now learning about. At least that's what I think. To refresh your memory, I live in a duplex. I used to live on the first floor, and now I live on the second floor. It's a long, boxy building that looks like he's got a little picture of it. Okay, you can scroll down. So I'm thinking, is there some secret crawl space in my home? I look all over my apartment, but can't figure it out. So I go into the hallway, and that's when something dawns on me. There's no real way to ease into, it, so, into this, so I'll just say it. There's a mysterious hatch in my hallway. I've always known about it, but I just assumed it opened directly onto the roof. And he's got a little picture of the hatch. I was ready to explain this away for a few reasons. One, it might just be some sort of insulated space that all residential buildings have. I'm not an architect, so what do I know? It didn't seem relevant enough at the time, so I decided I wasn't going to mention it here. But over the past week and a half, I've been hearing more things above me. A few days after the first sound, I heard a similar thump while I was in the kitchen. Then last night, I heard something small clink to the floor and roll about six feet before stopping. Um, something is going on up there. Maybe it's a raccoon, but maybe it's not. I also can't get over the fact that the hatch is in such a weird, inaccessible place over the stairs. I need to investigate. I'm just not sure how right now. And He's got, I guess, a video. He took. Oh, wow, okay. It's... It is in a really weird and inaccessible place because he's standing at the top of the stairs. Yeah, yeah, and it's can't above get to the it. stairwell. Yeah, it's yeah, it it's not like at the top of the stairs. It's over the bottom it's of mid the stairs. Yeah. yeah, but on the ceiling. Uh, yeah, uh, here's the video. Yeah, none of these videos want to load. Something yeah. falls out. You can you can find all this on yeah uh, in the video. Something falls out of the the hatch. I jumped out of the way and practically fell down the stairs trying to dodge whatever it was that fell. At first, I thought it was a dead squirrel, 
which would honestly explain a lot. It hit the steps and bounced down the, the first floor. I went upstairs to get my phone and collapsed the pole since it's so long and unwieldy, then went back downstairs to investigate the object that fell. At first, I wasn't even sure what it was. It was, a din it was dingy and faded black. I picked it up and realized what it was. It was a small leather shoe. Ah! Yeah, a little child's shoe. Adam's landlord investigate. I picked it up and realized it was a small leather shoe. Uh, I hustled back upstairs and texted my landlord. I told him I thought there was something in the crawl space and asked if he could investigate. He said he'd come by later with a ladder and check it out. Probably need like a 20-foot ladder to get up there. A, a few hours later, my landlord was on a ladder, shining a flashlight into the crawl space. I stared up at him, half expecting something to grab him and yank him into the darkness. <laughs> he angled his flashlight all around, finally saying, there's nothing up here. But then he was like, oh, wait. I watched as he reached up into the emptiness with his free arm, and when he pulled it back, he had something small and round in his hand. He climbed down the ladder and handed it to me. Again, it was, I wasn't quite sure what I was looking at. It was a smooth and shiny, and at first I thought it was an old piece of candy, but it was cold and too heavy to be candy. After a second, I realized it was a marble. Oh, that must have been the thing you heard rolling. It was so worn that it hadn't registered as a marble at first. Its shape was also sort of weird, with a little bump over one end. Jesus. It's a little bit of smoosh head. Yeah. Uh, my landlord seemed unbothered for the most part, and he told me to call him if I heard anything else. I went inside and headed to my office to see if I could figure anything out about this marble that somehow made its way into my ceiling. I had nothing to go on, and in short, I didn't really learn much, but I did figure out the bump on the marble, I think. Apparently in the early 1900s, they made marbles by hand and cut them with big metal scissors, which would mean the marble is probably really old. Uh-huh. Let's see, something feels wrong. I chalked it up to always having earbuds crammed in and made a mental note to get my ears checked. Other than that, things were pretty quiet. I sort of fooled myself into thinking that finding those items in the attic somehow ended all this. Not that that would make much sense. But last weekend, something started to happen. Late on Wednesday, I woke up with a start feeling something strange, like something had just been watching me. I turned on the light, but was alone. Still, there was a tangible feeling of badness. Everything felt wrong, sort of like when you have the flu and you wake up at night and can't really tell where you are for a minute. Oh, I hate that shit. Yeah, that shit is scary. Uh, it, was, it was a feeling I'm used to. It always accompanies David. People uh, tweet at me a lot saying he might just need help, that but I'm certain that's not help. the case. Every time he shows up, I feel a palpable sense of malice. Uh, that's... What I felt that night, malice, dread, but it's, but I was still alone. Where did I go? And I was so tired, I wound up just going back to sleep. I've been so exhausted recently, I can barely function. The next night, the same thing happened. I woke up suddenly feeling like I had just missed seeing something, like a candle had just gone out and I could still smell it. Adam, take some more pictures. Uh... I thought about using the pet cam from the living room to monitor my bedroom while I slept, but the cord was too short to get the camera high enough to see the entire room, so I improvised. I downloaded an app that takes a photo every 60 seconds and set my phone on top of a bookcase. It's almost 7 feet tall, so it had a pretty good view of my bed and the surrounding room. Then I went to sleep. Just like before, I jolted awake hours later feeling the same unease. I turned on the light and hurried out of bed to get my phone from the bookcase. There are probably 350 photos to scroll through. Okay? Scroll, John. Hold on. I'm having a little bit of an issue here. Smush had Davey getting in the way. 
doesn't want us to know the truth. Oh, oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think you clicked on that ad. I think yeah. I clicked on the ad three times. The Revenge of Ghosthead Davy. There you go. Everything is a sun-kissed ad. Oh, here, here we, we go. go. Uh, scroll up a little bit. The vast majority of them were me sleeping in an empty room. It's sort of dark, but you can see me sleeping. I left a couple nightlights on in case anything showed up. But for the first hundred or so photos of just me in an empty room, yeah, it's just a picture of him sleeping. And scroll. In the next photo from a minute later... Ah! Oh, scroll up a little bit. Uh, yes, huh. I don't have to look... Oh, oh God. shit. Smooshhead Davies in the se second photo. Yeah, he yeah. is. It looks like a doll or something almost. It does. I mean, this could all be staged. Yeah, it's fun though. Uh, then he appears to collapse on the chair. The like next a dozen doll. Photos are all the same. He's completely lifeless. At first, I thought he was dead, which obviously doesn't make any sense. I looked over at the chair, half expecting him to still be there, but it was empty. About fifteen photos later, he was back, standing next to the bed. It was just like last time. I don't see him in this one. He said he's standing next to the bed. I don't see him. Oh, there he is. Oh, ah! <laughs> Fuck! He was on the bed, inches from me, staring down at me, sleeping. Okay. Fuck. Yeah, you... The next one was worse. The next photo, he's staring right at the camera. Fuck me. Yep. Here's the final photo from I'm the not following. Oh, my God. Nope, I'm just not like looking. A, just like gross old hair. I'm look legit at not looking. Look, look at, at it. Nope, no. Nope. You have to look at it. Nope. That. Nope. God, all right, I saw it. I see it. God, it looks awful. Jesus. All right, David. So he moves to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> that is an acceptable decision. I went, no, I went home to Montana for the holidays and almost immediately started to feel better. Less tired, less foggy. Up until now, uh, I haven't really entertained the thought of moving, thinking that David would probably just follow me wherever I go. I don't know. You move from one apartment... To the apartment right above it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't really test it out. Yeah, he should have mentioned that when he first talks about moving. It's that he just moved upstairs. Yeah. So, uh, th in the morning as I was getting out of the shower, I glanced out the window and noticed tracks behind the garage. Oh, yeah, you can see in little footprints or tracks or whatever. Okay, so he sees the tracks in the snow. Uh, I couldn't tell what... They were from from the bathroom, so I got dressed, put on my coat, and went outside. When I got close, my heart practically stopped. They weren't tracks. They were footprints, really small footprints. Did you start recording again? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, just, that is a good idea. <laughs> Back in New York, things get worse. The last couple of nights, I was too scared to leave my room. If it had not been David out there in the snow, it meant that he could follow me anywhere. No matter where I moved, he could find me. I felt helpless. I flew back to New York the day after Christmas. Back in my apartment, it seemed like I was at square one again. I've tried everything I can think of. I've saged my apartment. I've hired a medium. Nothing has worked. And worse, I still feel him at night, watching me from different corners of my room, always getting closer and waking up right before something happens. Adam has his worst nightmare yet. Oh, great. For the past few nights, I've been using that app that takes photos every couple of minutes, but nothing has shown up. For whatever reason, it doesn't seem to work anymore, but I've left it running just in case. It's picked up absolutely nothing save for one thing from last night. Last night was particularly bad. I felt sick and had nightmares all night. I dreamed of Dave David was hovering in the corner by the ceiling, far off the ground. He was mouthing something, but I couldn't hear oh, any words. Fuck you, dude. 
Then he was hovering above my bed, staring down at me, his mouth moving faster than it should be. I couldn't move. I could only look up at him. Suddenly, he plummeted downward, and I felt this huge pressure crash into my chest. I woke up gasping. The wind completely knocked out of me. I sat up and looked around frantically, heaving, air, heaving for air, but there was nothing. When I caught my breath, I retrieved my phone from the dresser. The photo roll showed nothing of note, save for the last photo, taken just a moment before. <laughs> It's like a smoosh head. Yeah. So that was the last one. Uh, there's more to that, but I mean, this is the last one that's posted on this story. So he's, um, yeah. uh, you can check out at Moby Dickhead on Twitter and uh, Moby underscore Dickhead. Yeah, he's still active and talking about it. Yeah. So this is like still ongoing. This is like some freaky ass shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah those uh, the uh, that one with the hair, like the really up close to the camera in the corner with the hair. Hate it. Stringy Can't ear. Can't deal with it. Got yeah. It. I don't like it. Makes uh, me very uncomfortable. All right, I think we we need a we need a well deserved break after that one. And you yeah. Too. We'll be right back. Come back. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we're glad to be back. For that long. Segment. That was a that was a long segment, but that shit is creepy. Yeah. yeah. You Couldn't guys should cut really go out of that. Check out because go on the show notes. Check out these photos. Like uh, like they could be faked, but they're still I don't know. It's still fun. I don't yeah. know. It's still I don't fun. Know. You know, and there's I can't prove it wrong, but I can't prove it correct either. So I'm just willing to enjoy yeah, it as it is. Yeah, this Twitter feed is still active. In fact, he's suing um, Cold Stone in, in uh, Cold Stone in India because he's a he does comp web comics. Okay. And they use his characters in uh, one of their commercials. Really? Yeah. How weird. You better watch out. Don't steal comics from this guy. This, this guy will send Smusha Davy. Yeah. <laughs> Dear David. Uh, now it's time for our feature segment, Inside the Kelly Hopkinsville Encounter, one of the most bizarre and convincing alien events ever. I love this story. In 1955, two families in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, survived one of the craziest alien encounters ever recorded. Uh, just so listeners know, Lauren is actually from Hop- Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Wait, hold on. No, I am not. Yep, that's Fuck where she was born. In the deep dark hills no. No, I'm not. I'm not from there. That's the yeah. I don't even sound like I'm from there. I'm you, not from you there. You do sound. You sound just like a person from Kentucky. No, I don't. Does she not have an accent? This is not. That's an accent. She's this got is that not. Biscuit eating accent. This is not. What the fuck does that mean? This is not mysteriousness's material. Okay, so not only did they see a flying saucer, but they engaged in a gunfight with the group of mysterious creatures and survived multiple attacks on their home. Yeah, shit went down for these people. The story of the Kelly Hopkinsville visitation is one of the most interesting tales of an extraterrestrial meeting. It fits into an interesting narrative of the many cryptid and UFO sightings that plagued the eastern seaboard in the mid-20th century. 
At the time of the attacks, uh, the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter turned the nation on its head. The visitation happened in the middle of a UFO fever when everyone was seeing flying saucers, but there was something different about this case. Not only did the people involved see a spacecraft, but they came face-to-face with the creatures who, was, who were piloting it. And shot at them. Did 11 people really fight off aliens in 1955, or did they make the whole thing up? As night fell on Hopkinsville, Kentucky on August 21st, 1955, Billy Ray Taylor was taking a trip to the Sutton's family well. Do you, you ever have to get water from the well when you lived in Kentucky? Suck my dick. No, they just melted no. snow on the hillside. I swear to God. Oh my God, that's a picture of Lauren's house. No, stop. stop. <laughs> so he, he, he went to the well. He was staying in a uh, small farmhouse with the Sutton and Baker clans, along with a few others who left their lives working in the carnival. So this guy is a carnival worker oh and God. is not to be trusted. So take that into in, in in consideration. Account. Maybe he's the guy that killed Smooshhead Davy. <laughs> he might have dropped a shelf on him. <laughs> As Taylor drew his water, something bright shot across the sky. Taylor believed that he saw a spaceship zip through the clouds and land behind a patch of trees. However, when he told everyone inside about the round metallic object with rainbow-colored streaks trailing behind it, no one believed him. Apparently, Taylor was well known to tell tall tales. Carney. So everyone assumed he was just trying to get a rise out of them. The other 11 people in the house assumed Billy saw a meteor. So alien creatures tried to break into the house. No one believed Billy when he told him about seeing a spaceship pass overhead, but he was convincing enough that his friend Lucky went back to the well to check it out. There was nothing at the well, but on their way back to the house, the two men saw a glowing figure walking out of the woods, holding its hands over its head. We bring you love. The two men ran back to the house and began to barricade the doors. He brings us peace and love. Get him. Now, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, if you guys just saw like a glowing figure, would you barricade yourself in, or would you like try to investigate further? Depends on what it was doing, I guess. If it, I mean, if he's said, got his hands up. Yeah. I mean, logically. You have this creature. I do worry figure. about radiation, though. I think at this point where you're making contact, I think you're beyond giving a shit about radiation. You should. I don't. No, but I do. I think you are. I think you're beyond. This is the 1950s. That. I'm pretty sure they drank radiation yeah, in so tonic yeah, waters. They like brushed their teeth <laughs> with radiation back then. But like. All, like, say it was on your mind. I think you're beyond radiation. I think you're beyond barricading yourself in. Because obviously you're dealing with something that has that's way more technologically advanced than you. I think a door, a chair blocking a doorway isn't really going to help. What's the point? Yeah, you might true. as well try to interact with the thing peacefully. Uh, the initial news report of this case claims that there were 12 to 15 creatures surrounding the household that evening. The gray creatures seemed confused. They approached the house one by one and acted very strange. They peeked through the windows, tried to get in through the front door, and even floated a tree at one point. It honestly doesn't seem like they're hostile at this point. Well, I mean, how did they float the tree? Like, so was flo- it? Sorry, they floated in a tree. They floated in a tree? I guess they were floating in the branch. I don't know. Okay. After putting the children to bed, I don't know why you put the kids to bed when there's aliens, uh, the families armed themselves with a 12-gauge shotgun and a 22 caliber rifle, and they waited. Davey, go to sleep. Mama's going to go fire off the shotgun to make sure it works. Watch it's, out for the shelf. There ain't no aliens. I'm just practicing. You know how we do. 
When one of the creatures pressed its face against the screen window, Billy Ray Taylor fired, but nothing happened. The screen was destroyed, but the creature seemed simply disappeared. After the first shot was fired, the situation got out of control. The family fired more shots, but claimed that the bullets didn't affect the creatures. They said that the sound of bullets hitting the creatures was similar to that of ammunition hitting a sheet of metal. So that's like a weird noise. They were wearing armor. Uh, the group claims that they went through four boxes of twenty-two caliber shells in the fight. So four boxes of shells. They're like, Jesus, damn. They shot the shit out of them. Or they were just r- a really bad shot. They never actually shot the shotguns they were before. Drunk on moonshine. Yeah. Well, that is that comes up later in the story. After everything came to a standstill, Taylor, Lucky, and some of the other men went outside, where they were nearly ambushed by a creature waiting for them on the roof. A taloned claw allegedly swiped at Lucky before floating away. The police actually investigated the alien attack. Go ahead and do this one, Mike. After the one-sided gun battle, the family settled down and tried to figure out what to do next. Mrs. Langford came to the conclusion that the small gray creatures with spindly, useless legs and human-like hands weren't trying to harm anyone. But she also didn't want them on her property. When the group- Nobody wants them on their property. No. When the group felt the coast was clear, everyone piled into their cars and drove to the local police station. When the family arrived, they were pretty freaked out. The police didn't know how to handle the situation. It occurred less than 10 years after the Roswell incident, and everyone was seeing flying saucers. The cops went out to the farmhouse to investigate, but all they found were signs of a huge gun battle. Information travels quickly in a rural area like Hopkinsville, and within the hour, the small farmhouse was crawling with police and members of the local media. From there, the story exploded. I, I wouldn't call like a, a huge gun battle a bunch of twenty-two shots being fired off into screen doors. From the inside. Hopkinsville is obsessed with their weird history. Rather than shy away from the fact that the town plays a part in a very strange UFO case, the good people of Hopkinsville, Kentucky, had l- lear- leaned into their mysterious past. In 2010, the town began hosting the Little Green Men Festival, a four-day event filled with ufologists, hayrides, and crafts. There's even live music. Hopkinsville, not a town to shy away from the press, changed its name to Eclipseville in 2017 to draw on tours hoping to witness totality. You remember the eclipse last year that we saw? Yeah. Yeah. So this was in the totality region. So they just changed the name of their town to Eclipseville. Like, hey, come and buy our... By our Kentucky bullshit. things. <laughs> when asked if the eclipse might bring extraterrestrials to the area, Joanne Smithy, vice president and chairperson of the Little Green Mes- Men Festival, said, As far as aliens returning, you never know. Some people say they're already among us, and others say they don't exist, period. I would vote for that lady. <laughs> <laughs> aliens may have been owls. Let Lauren do this one. Okay. Critics of the encounter note that everything about the creatures, from the way they move to the talons with which the family was attacked, is incredibly similar to that of a great horned owl. I don't know. Mm, we'll see. I don't These, think they glow. I'm pretty sure people know what an owl is. I mean, check it out. There's, Check it out. These owls are noted for their aggressive behavior, and they've been confused with aliens before, most notably in the Mothman case. Now, hold on. Before we paint the entire Mothman case with they were fucking owls. They were owls. No, it's 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 been noted before that like uh, seeing owls, that's like a screen memory. Yeah, yeah, that's 
I think that's more likely than saying that the Mothman... Don't... Jesus Christ. Okay, anyways. Yes, owls and aliens have been linked many times in UFO sightings. I think it's a screen memory. I also have a theory that maybe they look very similar with big eyes. There's a lot of different reasons. Anyways. The owls are not what they seem. Yeah, I'm continuing on. Uh, Great horned owls are fairly large. They can grow up to 25 inches tall and have little tufts of feathers on top of their heads. It looks similar to ears. They're nocturnal, so it makes sense that they would attack at night. Uh, well, I've never heard of a group of great ho- horned owls attacking. Attacking yeah. people <laughs> with shotguns? Well, they didn't have shotguns. The people had shotguns. No, no, yeah, oh, the yeah, people the, yeah. with shotguns. You no, know, you fire one gun and the owls go away. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't keep going. Uh, yeah, um, the floating is another this thing. This article continues on to say... Owls the, don't float. No, they, that they fly. They, that the little gray men floated away when shot at, which sounds a lot like owl... No, no, no. Have you ever seen an owl fly? They do not look like they're floating. Yeah. Um, the article goes on to say, the families probably weren't sober during the, ta- the attack. No yeah, they, shit. They they said that they said that there was beer cans everywhere and there was a rumor that there was moonshine. It's Kentucky. It's Everybody's Kentucky. drinking. Rumor there was moonshine. People see drunk people see owls all the time. Yeah. And they don't start shooting at them. Yeah. Uh, one piece of damning evidence was that the families may not have had an encounter with the paranormal beings is the fact that ever John, the fact that everyone was drinking that night. When the police checked the house, they found beer cans. We already said this. Um, one member of the household flat out denies that anyone was drinking, and he maintains that their account of events uh, were exactly well, I, as they said. You know, I, I say it's fine that if they were drunk. I don't. I don't buy that whole. Oh, he was drunk and he saw a UFO, so it must be bullshit. Because I. I'm drunk literally all the time. Check it out. I understand what it's like to be drunk and deny the fact that I'm drunk. Yeah. But That's I've a Kentucky n- thing. Yeah, I mean, I've never denied that I saw aliens, though. <laughs> so the aliens came back late into the evening on August 21st after the police and local media had gone home. The family tried to settle in for the night, but they weren't able to rest. At around 3 a.m., the creatures allegedly returned. Uh, they began running across the roof and scratching at the doors and windows. The neighbors claimed that instead of fighting off aliens for the second time in one night, they decided to pack up and head for Evansville, Indiana. The family was... Uh, yeah, pe- people don't drunkenly drive off in the middle of the night and because of owls. And leave everything yeah. they've ever known. Uh, it said uh, Billy Taylor may have seen a fox fire. Lauren, you want to do this one? Uh, One of the most consistent pieces of the Kelly Hopkins event is an eerie glow that illuminates much of the story. Billy Taylor saw a rainbow light following the spaceship, and after the shootout, the family claims that they saw an emerald grow illuminating the woods. Some skeptics believe that the family was actually witnessing foxfire, or a bioluminescent fungus on decaying wood. The color of foxfire tends to be a bright green, which looks unworldly, even when you know what you're looking at. I mean, that's a pretty cool idea, except that they were from this area. Yeah, they would they, know about yeah, that. Yeah, they would be accustomed to that. And I'm um, sorry, but foxfire or not, that it didn't land in their backyard. 
and it and like show I do up as see, a I, I do want to see this Foxfire stuff. That sounds. I would cool. like to see Foxfire too. I think that would be, be like interesting. in a green, dimly lit green woods. That yeah, sounds neat. It's very Lovecraftian. Uh, project Blue Book thinks this encounter is a hoax. I mean, that's the Air Force project that you know called everything a hoax. Yeah, back they, then. so no shit. Oh, I didn't know that critters. Uh, fun, yeah. Critters. Fun fact: Critters is based on this case. Uh, <laughs> if you've never seen Critters, it's a great little <laughs> alien movie from the eighties. It is fun. Got two interdimensional shape-shifting bounty uh, hunters. No one thought Billy Ray Tyler was credible. We mentioned that earlier. He's a carny, and uh, he lied a lot, so uh, that's fine. Little Green, they weren't Little Green Men at all. Like I, I guess a lot of the newspapers reported Little Green Men. Well, that was what, how they always described them back yeah. then, too. But uh, they said that the beings went from gray to green in one newspaper article, and they were given a greenish-silver glow in a later version of the story. But really, the people actually reported these, like, just typical gray aliens is what they reported. Yeah, just regular-ass grays. Which, in the 1950s, that, that wasn't even a thing. People no. didn't say grays. People said little green men. Yeah, 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 it wasn't a trope back then. So this is, like... That's more interesting. It's sensationalist journalism. Oh, well, yeah. Why. Yeah, now... If, if somebody saw a little green man, the the newspaper would report a gray. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, or just write them off entirely. Yeah. So this is an interesting case. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just the fact that they are afraid enough to start shooting guns off. Yeah, that, like they would know if it was fucking horrible. See, hours. that part of it. And then they went to the police. People, like, people in rural Kentucky don't go to the police for are. anything. There yeah. you are. So the fact that they shot into the night drunkenly, that could happen to anyone. Very Kentucky. Very Kentucky, that could happen to anyone. The fact that they actually called the fucking cops, that surprises me. Yeah. And the fact that they actually moved also surprises me because very few people leave that part of kentucky yeah that's their land you it's not that you just you're born there and you die there so something put the fear of god into them that they thought they had to call the police and move and leave yeah yeah so something happened so yeah i guess uh i once read about this someone suggested that there was a um a mold thing, like a psychedelic mold situation. Oh, for this case, maybe yeah. Been referring to yeah. The, the Foxfire shit. Yeah, no, no, no. It was it was a psychedelic mold in their house, like in their bread, yeah. in their bread or like in their house. And it, yeah, and it made them see shit. I because I, I remember reading about this a long time ago. I mean, that, that's kind of plausible. That's one of my favorite. One of my favorite. But I mean, if they're high as hell, the cops would probably notice that. Yeah, they wouldn't if if it was mold. Back in the 50s, they didn't know fucking mold did that Yeah, shit. plus they're all drunk anyway. Yeah. <laughs> the, the cops probably just assumed Yeah, the cops are all drunk, drunk on yeah. moonshine too. But that's one of my favorite... Um, if you're going to debunk something like this, I do like the idea of psychedelic mold. I think that sounds cool. It's yeah, a fun way to... I mean, it, it sound, psychedelic mold does sound fun. Yeah. All right, right now we're going to jump into something that's very, very spoopy. Spoopy. You're alone, in the middle of the night, and the phone rings. It's someone you don't know, or worse yet, it is someone you know, and they're dead. Things have just gotten spoopy. Spoopy. 
We were camping once, driving through some city. My dad was driving, my mom on the passenger seat, and I was kneeling behind them, leaning on the boot that separated the truck from the camper. It was evening, not full dark. We weren't really talking, and my mom was looking out her window when she screams, Oh God! Oh my God! Gene, do you see it? My dad says, Yeah, I do. I'm going to slow down and let them by. He slowed, and the car on the right passed us. I couldn't see inside, but their window was down, and the arm hanging out the window looked to be that of someone impossibly thin. I asked my mom what she saw, and she said it was nothing. My dad backed her up. Years later, I asked them about it again. My mom said, It was a skeleton. It was no mask, because you could see through the jaws. It had a tongue and eyes. It was death. My dad backed her up, but years later, after my mom was dead, recanted, saying it was a mask because nothing could survive like that. All right, we're back. Yeah! Woohoo! Thank you, Mike, for getting spoopy for us. You're welcome. Spoopy. I, I was spooked. I was a little spooked. It did turn out to be a skeleton. It's always a skeleton. Inside of you. With a ghost Ooh. inside of it. It turns out, ghost was phone. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, uh, right now it's time to do our segment, You Believe in What? What? Uh, I'm really excited about this one, uh, simply because I've been obsessing over, and a lot of people have, um, Netflix's new documentary, uh, Wild Wild Country. This is a uh, Duplass Brothers uh, documentary, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting, and I think it's rather well done. Um, one of the cool things about the documentary, documentary um, that a lot of people have noted is that it doesn't really take sides at all. It just gives the facts. It just gives the facts and the interviews um, pretty level-handedly. So... You don't really know how to feel about what went down, or who's full of shit, or who's not. They just kind of present all this stuff, and you kind of sift through it yourself. Um, so it's definitely worth a watch. It's multiple episodes, kind of like the making of a murderer type deal. Those those or are American in vogue Vandal. now. Um, yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, to get you primed for it. Um, it's basically about a group of people called the Neo Sinyasins. Um, there was a guy called uh, Raj, uh, Rajneesh, who Rajneesh? was he was a guru of theirs, um, and he started off in India, acquired followers, um, and tried to set up this religion that was based on the idea that all religions had. You know, it was kind of like meshing all religions together, like, yeah, like one they're all universal, the same thing. yeah, one universal Makes spirituality, sense. yeah. Which really, I mean, this is the you believe in what section, but like out of all the shit we've talked about, cult wise, I kind of can get behind the idea of like, all right, well, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're saying it's all kind of valid. Just you know, let's do this thing, right? 
That's that's it's, it's always more dangerous when cults uh, like just repurpose an existing religion. Well, yeah, because it's already deeply embedded. Like, well, already. You're already you're already Christian, right? Well, you know, this is like the same exactly, except we got it right. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. Way more. we actually tweaked it. It's better, and we fuck so much more. Uh, that's a, it's always with cults, right? They always just, there's there's always like some element of fucking in a cult, right? Well, I mean, you, you gotta get something out of it. I feel that's usually like the purpose of a cult is like, hey, God wants me to have sex with your wife. Fuck town. Yeah, take them all to fuck town. Uh, anyways, dude started off in India, got a lot of followers in India. This is over. This happened around in the um, the seventies or the eighties. Um, got a lot of fucking hippies and shit over to uh, where he was in India. Which is bad timing because that took place right during like the Satanist hysteria too. Yeah, I mean the beginning of it. Uh, the Satanist hysteria lasted deep into the nineties. But yeah, this is pretty pretty much in the beginning of that idea. Um, anyways, got a bunch of followers, built up a bunch of money, and then they decided to get a uh, sixty four thousand plus acre um property in central oregon known as the big muddy ranch um it was purchased in 1981 they spent 5.75 million on it and within three years the neo sannyasins uh, developed a community turning the ranch from an empty rural property into a city of 7,000 people um, so this is just a ranch. Yeah, it was originally just a fucking ranch. And when they purchased it, they told the state that they were going to use it as a ranch. They didn't mention that they were going to build a fucking city. So that's what these militias are doing wrong. you got to get a religion in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. how you're going to grow. It's not just going to be, hey, you want to live in the woods and hate the government? No. Guns. you gotta get you got to get religion into it. Um, but yeah, so the whole city had its own fire department, police, restaurants, malls, townhouses. Um, it had an airstrip. It had malls? Yeah. And an airstrip of its own, uh, public transport uh, with buses, uh, sewage reclamation. Like the whole fucking deal, it was its own town with its own zip code. Um, All right, so where did it go wrong? That's, so this, it's got to go wrong at so, some point. Yeah, so this sounds great, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, do like, what you want, religion. Do what you, do what you we want. We fuck all the time. We have sex. We're all about peace and love. Uh, so then it starts to go to shit. It's, like, wait, it's based on like Buddhist, right? Buddhism. Uh, sort of. No, it's actually like more based in like um, Indian philosophies than okay. anything else. Um, if you'll scroll down just a bit underneath increasing tensions, John. Um, so, uh, Rajneesh ends up, uh, well, before he even comes to America, he brings on this lady named Sheila, and Sheila starts to take over, like, she's running the shit, Rajneesh, once they come over to America, kind of secludes himself. Sheila, that's how you say bitch in, uh, Australian. Australia. I guess so, yeah, I don't know if- Sheila's. Yeah, yeah, you don't fuck bitches in Australia. It's spelled you fuck, the you same, fuck too. S-H-E-E-L-A. But anyways, they come over to Oregon. Uh, Rajneesh starts to seclude himself. And, and in the documentary, it's never made quite clear as to if he secluded himself or if she started to sequester him away. Um, but you, but, she did misery on him. Yeah, some, she some him, weird shit, right? Locked him in there. So... Okay. 
He's praying. Don't yeah. talk to him. Yeah, he, ex- that's exactly what she was doing. So he's busy praying. He's praying. Sorry. I will be, you know, the spokesperson. So she became the spokesperson of this religion. And things start to get out of whack. So once this, once Oregon realized, the state of Oregon realized that they had bought the property um, and were using it for something much different from an actual fucking ranch people lost their shit and uh, they actually formed a group called thousand friends of Oregon um, that were, they were pissed because they wanted to um, get rid of the Sanyasins because they weren't using it as a ranch. And to be honest, um, the documentary doesn't really force you to think this way, but it does kind of feel like they're like, Oh, all these hippies are here. They've got all this free love shit and they're a bunch of older people yeah, you know the, what I mean? Beehive hairdos and thick glasses. So it's obviously all these young people with their Satanist religion having sex. Getting, yeah, but you know, at the same time, these people did do things wrong. I know. Well, they, they I did. know that they ruined Shaky's Pizza for everyone. Yeah. So the thousand friends of Oregon start taking them to task. They, they sue them over a bunch of shit. Um, you know, people start showing up and protesting outside of these religious centers. And so Sheila, um, and, and there's a bunch of uh, interviews with her at the time being asked about how she's dealing with it, how the movement's dealing with it, everything like that. And she has a very, like, no fucks given uh, fight fire with fire attitude. Like, she doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, she's and nuts. So, yeah, she's straight up fucking nuts. And so at one point... Um, the, she gets a bunch of people because they have their own scientific testing labs on their premises. It's like philosophy and science and, and free love, right? I mean, the science is only used for bad shit as far as I could tell. Okay. So at one point, um, in order to fight the thousand friends of Oregon, they had to get so many votes to, um, sustain the area that they had set up so what they did which is kind of fucking ingenious is they told homeless people from all over the country we will bus you in all you have to do is you have to uh live here uh get your oregon id and your voters rights in the state of oregon before this time and vote the way we want which is you pretty to easy to do back then yeah and vote the way we want you to vote and you can live here, and we will feed you, and we'll take care of you. So they they bring over thousands of fucking so homeless. Where do people. they get all this money? They they had acquired it over years of just fucking rich hippies giving everything they okay. had to this cult. And so they bring over all these homeless people. Obviously, all these old fucking white folks in Oregon freak the fuck out because now there's a bunch of homeless people here so everyone's on top losing of the hippies yeah on top of the hippies they're losing their shit um they managed to keep the vote from happening like there was some legal tomfuckery to keep it from yeah, happening because you know with the hobos because and shit. I, I don't know according to the law that's seems to be totally legal to do yeah so they they did some shit. I mean, and you can't so, force, you can't physically force anybody to vote the way that you want, but you can can convince them by giving them a home and yeah. things and to food. eat. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very easy to convince homeless people, you know, with food and shelter. Um, so 
Anyways, this pisses off Sheila and her cohorts. So what they decide to do is they go into town where all these people are, all, all the all the people who had been living there, and they go into like I think it's like four or five different restaurants, and they it, they put salmonella in the there's like a buffet, like the salad bar, the salad bar, all this shit in these different restaurants. And just, I think it was like hundreds of people. That doesn't seem like love and light. No, it was not love and light. Got fucking food poisoning. So that became a big deal. And at the same, everything's going to shit. So at the same time, um, Rajneesh is further and further away from like his people. No one's heard from him for a long time at this point. And apparently he got really close with this really uh, rich lady from Hollywood who and her husband, who was a doctor. And the doctor was kind of like the situation with Michael Jackson, where he was just like prescribing him what the fuck ever. Okay. So at one point, Sheila starts to get really uncomfortable because she's hearing less and less from Rajneesh. So she bugs his room. And starts listening in on everything that happens in his room. And she finds out that Rajneesh asked his doctor, hey, is there a dignified way that I can go without pain and kill myself? And the doctor's like, yeah. And Rajneesh is like, it's time for me to go. I need you to set this up. Okay. Sheila finds this out, gets one of her favorite girls, tells her, you need to kill this doctor, hands her a fucking... um, uh, a needle with fucking this poison in it to oh, stab man. the guy at one of their religious meetings. Somehow he lives through this. I don't know how he lives. It seems through- like, I don't know. I see in the news. It seems like poisonings fail. Yeah. So this poisoning fail. We have good uh, emergency medical um, you know, technology at this point where people are like, yeah, he's poisoned. Fix so him. for the sake of not going too long and not um, hindering anyone from watching this documentary. Um, I'm just going to say that Sheila is still alive and she's, she, uh, was extradited from Germany, uh, recently. What about the guy? What about Rajesh? Um, he's dead, I believe. He died. I forget how he died. Probably cancer. Um, yeah, I can't quite remember how he died. Anyways, watch the documentary fucking amazing honestly this everyone show the path uh yeah i mean the path sounds similar to the path it also sounds similar to far cry 5 yeah oh Uh, yeah i mean this it's weird because it's such an insane thing that happened relatively like recently in the united states yeah it was not publicized but no one really knows about this but it's obvious that this story has influenced things like Far Cry, like fucking The Path, literally like so many different shows and movies and books. Well, check out Wild Wild Country on Netflix. It sounds very interesting. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we need to do this. We need to start our own religious cult in the middle of the woods. Sex cult. Yeah! Sex cult. Yeah, we've got to get people to just give us money, and then we can live like hippies. I think it's... Wearing only diapers. Sounds like a great idea. I would not turn on you guys, I promise, okay? I'm not going to... I don't care who the religious leader is. I'm not turning on you as long as I can just smoke weed 
And have I mean, sex with all of your wives. As long as uh, I can set up my own like uh, scientific testing lab to help us improve. Help you can make... I be the one in charge of poisoning people? Yeah, Mike can be in charge of poisons. Okay. <laughs> I'll have I the lab. The right. I tell you who to poison. How yeah. about that? That sounds good. No, yeah. I'll just, I just poison people. No, 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 no. I just I, randomly. Everyone no, I come into contact um, with. It's part no. of the religion. Uh, as I've been told, um, I'm the only one who can tell who to poison. Uh, this is God telling me. So yeah. yeah, but I don't believe in that bullshit. Oh, well, then you're not allowed in the cult, and no, I should I poison you. It's everyone's free to come in. Yeah. No, no, they're not. Love and yeah. light. No, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank I'm you guys so you. much for listening. Uh, we appreciate uh, you guys listening, downloading the show. We also appreciate any feedback, so uh, check us out on Facebook. Also, shoot us an email at mysteriousnessespc uh, at gmail.com. Don't forget to ask Smooshhead Davey two questions. Yeah, only two questions for Smooshhead Davey. And uh, make sure you check out our event, the Something Planet Birthday Extravaganza. It's our 10-year anniversary. It's going to be at the Iberian Rooster on May 19th. Woohoo! 1992. Yeah, so if you guys have any topics that you want us to talk about, I know somebody threw out a, uh, um, a request to do a feature segment on the gin, and I am actually currently working on that. He so is that researching is coming. them right now. I'm, I'm, try- I'm, I'm going to try to get a good feature segment going about the gin because I am a huge Robin Williams fan. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in Rip. pieces. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Rotten hell. Goodbye.